We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everybody, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow coming to you after the Mavericks' uh, third loss of the bubble to the Los Angeles Clippers, 126 111. Um, I somehow managed, by the grace of my wife, to watch most of that game, which was at an interesting start time. I have a lot of thoughts, but I, you know, <laughs> I really wish we could lead one of these talking about how awesome Kawhi Leonard or Kawhi Leonard, uh, how awesome Chris Stapps Porzingis has played the lot in these games, but we just keep not being able to because the Mavericks absolutely shit the bed. Um, so why, why don't you kick us off with what you'd like to talk about? Because there's a lot of different directions this could go. Yeah. Um, Obviously, wasn't expecting a win. You know, the Mavericks aren't playing well in the bubble. Even if they're at their peak performance, the Clippers are, like we've repeated so many times on this podcast and on the site, they're literally the worst matchup ever. They are right. biologically engineered to destroy <laughs> this version of the Dallas Mavericks. It's just how it is. The Mavericks are weak on the wing, and the Clippers have two of the top eight wings in the league, top five right. probably. So. The was like looking at the the final score one twenty six one eleven yeah but and I was totally cool with like accepting this loss and being like you know they did some things but you know they just played against a talented team what gets me is you know they make the run to get back into the game a great run Kristaps looking like you know prime Dirk a little bit pulling up on these trail threes kind of dragging the team back into it when they really didn't have too much outside of you know what Luca was doing and what Kristaps was doing and for a second there I was like man this is like exactly what I want to see like even if they're going to lose to the Clippers and if they play them in the playoffs they'll probably lose like at least do like showing something like this showing like a little something that you can take into the offseason and you can take into the next season and be like you know we're almost you know we're we're there we're get we're gonna get there right from that moment it was close it was like the Clippers were like okay that's we've had enough we've had fun We've been playing with our food, and they just 
creamed that like it was a bloodbath from whenever the Mavericks got it to what like a tie game, like one whenever it was like 101, 101, I think. Yep. Or I can't six minutes and forty six minutes, forty one seconds. Uh Maxi made a three point jumper to tie it at one oh one. Then the and Mavericks that, it was scored. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. Um and that was just really – it really pissed me off kind of. I didn't expect to be pissed off from this game. But it kind of pissed me off because, uh, you know, Kristaps went to the bench uh, and he was – that was it. His his night was done. He, he was on the bench for a lot of the Clippers run there. And then when he got back into the game, it was just – you know, it just wasn't there. Like they couldn't find him. Uh, and the game had already kind of spiraled by that point. Mm-hmm. Um and the defense was just so bad. The defense was terrible. And the funniest thing is, is like of all the things I'm mad about, I'm not even really mad about the offense. No, uh, I'm not it, either. It wasn't I'm good, but they generated good looks. They just didn't hit them, which I think I has mean, actually been a theme for most of the bubble. They just can't hit shots. So I tweeted during the game, the Mavericks have this rare combination of terrible defensive players paired with a terrible defensive <laughs> scheme. And what I mean by terrible defensive scheme is the Mavericks allow shooters to shoot. Then they do interesting things like send a blitz at Kawhi Leonard, forcing him right. Guys, Kawhi Leonard is right-handed. Why would you force a right-handed player right? This was not, and it wasn't like a soft blitz. Like what they did with James Harden against the Rockets was really interesting because they basically put a player in his zip code, forcing him to make a decision. But Kawhi Leonard is a little bit taller. He's a little bit um, more patient, frankly, I think, than James Harden, which is kind of a crazy thing to say of an MVP caliber player. But Kawhi Leonard was a lot more decisive than James Harden was in any of these terrible doubles that the Mavericks sent. And I I just don't know what to do about what the Mavericks – decide to do because you know part of this is really is just the Clippers having better players you know Tim Hardaway Jr. got his lunch money taken from him for like 10 straight possessions in the third quarter by Paul George and to the various wonderful national media writers love Zach Lowe to death love my love some of my friends out there who are writing these things Tim Hardaway Jr. is a bad defender he's the bad he, he might be an okay defender in context of the Mavericks but you know, he got bullied from pillar to post by by Paul George on, you know, like 10 foot post ups, which when those sorts of things happens, it caused the entire defense to break down. And then that that allowed Zubak to to basically feast. I mean, the guy was 10 from 10 from the field. And uh, I don't know. And then you have like, again, guys out there, I'm sorry for calling y'all dumb, but I'm gonna call you dumb. Anybody that thinks that Boban would have helped with any of this doesn't understand basketball. Boban got worked by Zubak in the first quarter. That's why he didn't play anymore. So these sort of like little defensive laps that the Mavericks run into result in them just getting broadsided. Because once again, once again, we have another instance of not enough Mavericks role players able to keep pace with Luka and with Porzingis. I mean, Luka and Porzingis had 59 points tonight on 40 shots. That's pretty good. Everybody else was really bad. Except for, I mean, Maxi, I guess, was... Maxi played a better game. From, this was probably from Maxi's best game of the bubble. But, you know, we saw, like, I like Trey Burke. Kind of think he'd do well in the Mavs system, given time. But he's... There's a reason that he uh, is kind of one of these late-signing free agents. Like, he's not a savior. He is who he is. He's 0 for 7 from distance. And a lot of his shots were good looks. 
And I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming any one person. It's just this is the result. Like, this is the bed the Mavericks have made, and now they have to sleep in it. And and I, I don't want to kill them every time we get online, every time we get on to talk about this. But, like, what, what like are we supposed to be happy about this? Yeah, I think the reason why we keep bringing it up is because we talk about it and people are like, oh, well, they're just, they're, they're young and they're inexperienced and this roster needs more time. And, you know, I got people when I wrote that article uh, about, you know, the Mavericks role players not playing well and they need some upgrade, potentially some upgrades there. And people were telling me how many of the Mavericks starters would start on the Lakers and the, and the Bucks and the, and I'm just like, I don't. Uh, there's just a disconnect there, I think. And it's not that I don't like these guys. Like, I want to keep – like, I, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been fantastic. Like, he has – he is probably the personification of this season in terms of the turnaround because, like, they're not a playoff team if he doesn't have the career year. Like, they're not a playoff team if Dorian Finney-Smith doesn't hit 36 37% from three. And same with Maxi right. Kleba. Like, that – they're the they're the reason for the turnaround in, in the sense that we kind of expect greatness from Luca and we expect you know something from Kristaps. So like my hats off to them and and they they they're punching above their weight. But that's the thing they're punching above their weight and it just catches up to them. Uh, and it, sometimes it looks bad when they're when it's not clicking. And again, it's a little early to be talking about this, but I think we have to address it. This is why you and I lost our minds after the first <laughs> night of free agency. Yeah. You have becoming a contender in the NBA is extremely difficult. There's a lot of things that have to go your way. There's a lot of luck involved. There's also just, you know, making good choices. And the Mavericks 2019 20, you know, summer free agency plan was I it was bad. Yeah. And despite the fact that these guys have all played above their weight class, when you see these injuries that continue to pile up, like injuries happen. Okay. It's not just an injury season. Injuries happen. I mean, the Clippers were missing one of the, like a, a six man of the year candidates night. Uh, and, and I just, you know, I, I don't like making these kind of excuses for Dallas, but it, this is kind of where we are. And I, I I'm, I'm low key, very concerned that this is the bed the Mavericks have made and they're going to have to sleep in it because there's no, there's no direct path to, to what, to, to some sort of like solve to where they're going to go from being, you know, probably six to 10th in the West to top five. Like I I'm just not seeing it. You know, I'm people, it's you know, People have sent me like Zach Levine trades and I'm like, what are we talking about here, guys? (laughs) Well, it's, it's, you're hoping it's Kristaps and Luca basically being so good, like that the rest of the roster doesn't matter as much, you know, because you look at the Clippers and yes, the roster is definitely more well-rounded than, than the Mavericks in terms of their role players. But you hope that Luca is like a Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, and and Paul, and Kristaps is like a Paul George in terms of just their impactfulness, and they're clo- they're getting pretty close because they wouldn't be a playoff team if they weren't performing, you know, close to that level. But yeah, the if if this is the roster the Mavericks have, which I can't imagine it's it's going to be like I just knowing the Mavs front office, they're I mean, even if it doesn't work, they're at least gonna sw- we know they're gonna swing for the fences, right? Like that's gonna mm-hmm. at least happen. They're gonna try yeah. to do a Giannis. They're gonna try to do something crazy like that. So if but if this is like the roster, the core, 
which I still don't believe that's what it's gonna. This is gonna right. Be oh, for. right, right. So that's, that's not the key. Yeah, it's yeah. I I need to get over that when I'm pissy in the moment because <laughs> that's just the nature of like NBA basketball. Like, there's always things they can do. I don't have the creativity of of Dalton or of Jordan or some of these guys who really like thinking of things. And I don't really want you're you're right about that entirely. I I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because like speaking of the game in particular, that is the exact game for people who like Luca actually had a pretty good stat line because he shot the three ball reasonably well. He Mm -hmm. he was six of thirty. I mean, shoot, he was six of thirteen from three. That's actually fantastic. Yeah, that's Um, like for him, that's uh, incredible. You know, he didn't have any rebounds, uh, which is weird for Luca. And I think that was kind of the way the pace of the game went. But he he only had six assists and he had four turnovers. The Clippers are just designed in a lab to make life yep. difficult for him. There were a couple of passes where you you know Luca does not second guess things ever. You can really tell because he's just so confident in his decision making. And there were a couple of passes where he was flustered by the number of hands in the lane because the Clippers are just long. They're long. They're, they they talk and and it's it's kind of it's just kind of scary playing the Clippers. And and I don't know. I just I don't know what what the Mavericks are going to be able to do against the, the the Clippers if they play them in the playoffs. I mean, there's still a chance for the Nuggets to get higher. I mean, what? What do you think? Because we were laughing before game. The Boban Marjanovic starting thing was just like, like <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was. Uh, I thought maybe that was going to be Rick's signal that they were going to maybe play this game a little vanilla than I thought, but they they didn't. You know, they pretty much played their guys other than the Boban thing. Uh, you talked about Luca and how the Clippers, you know, can bother him. And the six assists and four turnovers. What's so crazy about that is I completely 100% agree with you. But didn't it feel like the way he was passing, he could have had like 12 assists tonight? Like, I mean, he had had some really good, they got some really good looks tonight. And, uh, you know, Hardaway Jr. was two of eight uh, and Burke being 0 for 7. Like that yeah. really that really hurt. Uh, Burke had a really good look when the game was still reasonably close in the fourth quarter, and Luca had Luca did such a good job. Like I swear, the Clippers were trying to like almost quadruple team him and had him I thought covered as he tried to get into the middle of the floor, and he was able to find Burke in the corner, and Burke missed. And yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the, the the theme for the Mavericks when they lose. Luca creates and does something wonderful, and then you know the teammate misses, but. So that that just kind of killed me. Uh, well, I I, yeah. I do want to talk about one guy we should be very very excited about, and then a couple of guys who I am very curious about. So Kristaps Porzingis had thirty points, nine boards, five assists, tying his career high, which he's had two or three times this year, five assists. He played an excellent offensive game. Defensively, he was pretty crap, but that was the re- like. I, that I'm I'm less sure that was him and then as I am the Mavericks constantly getting beat off the dribble and being like like their their awful scheme resulting in him being out of place. So offensively, I mean, I thought he was like generational. Like the sort of yeah. shots he was taking and the plays he was making were like that's that's more than I ever could have hoped for this season. Yeah, even the shots he missed, I like I liked all the I liked ninety percent of the shots he took, even the ones he missed. Um, threes look good. Three seven from three, that's great. Nine free throw attempts. He's been getting to the line 
a decent amount in the bubble, which is just fantastic. And he wasn't. So the thing with Kristaps is we all know he's a terrible post-up player, but he's really got a nice feel for when he catches in the post and he's posting and then he pivots into that short face-up game. Yes. That's like 15 to 18 feet. He looks really smooth doing that. And he did that mostly tonight. I don't think I saw any real like true post-up fadeaways or anything like that. He seemed to always catch it, pivot, jab, step, one dribble, take his guy off the dribble, get to the foul line, maybe take a little short jumper. And I'm totally cool with those kind of shots. And he, he didn't, you know, he was nine to 19 overall from the floor. So he, you know, it wasn't like a, a sparkling shooting night, but like, I just loved the process with him and it, it, it just looked like a sustainable kind of thing. And it looks like he's getting it. Like he, I, I think he's understanding where his strengths are on the offensive end of the floor and starting to take advantage of them. And that's, that's really cool to see. I, I agree. I'm not, there's not even anything to add to that. I'm just excited to see it. I'm excited to be wrong about that. Cause I've been very critical of him for a good chunk of the season and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to build on. Um, mm-hmm. Next, I'd like to pivot to somebody who I just don't know how to assess. And, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, he's a great rebounder. He's a great hustle player. 12 boards, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Nice-looking stat line, if you can forgive the negative 24, which a lot of that happened in the last five minutes regulation, so I'm not really holding that against him. But Jonathan Sharks came on my pod two weeks ago and essentially said, you know, that, that where Dallas goes is going to be dependent on what they do with that position. And it is not Finney Smith's fault. He has maximized a lot of what, you know, he's become a much better three point shooter. He's figured out a lot of aspects of the game, but the Mavericks have him in the role of lockdown defender, which he is not good at. And then they occasionally, put him in these odd, you know, just the way the offense flows where he will have to make a decision on the dribble. And I don't like it. I don't like, I've been very frustrated watching him play these past couple of games, despite how good his, you know, kind of raw stats numbers are, because I know where he contributes, but I also know where he takes away. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And it's the kind of stuff that you're like, man, if he wasn't, if he wasn't literally the only three and D wing they had on the roster, it would be something that's like much more forgivable. Um, Because you look at like, you look at the Clippers and it's like, man, if he was like the Clippers first wing off the bench, you would be like, man, that's awesome. Like, but the fact that he starts for the Mavs and the fact that he's the only guy in the starting lineup that is considered a perimeter defender, you know, Hardaway Jr. tries, but he's not that. It's not Luca. It's not Kristaps. Right. It's not, you know, Seth gives good effort, but it's, you know, what are you going to do when you're like 6'1? Um, so he's the only one and he's on an island. And like they ask so much of him. He's always switching. Like he has to switch. Like every time the that, team runs okay. action, he has to switch. I want to specifically talk about there. that. I want to specifically talk about the switching because I'm not, and and I maybe need you or somebody smarter than me to tell me this is that switching, that switching decision is schematic. Why do the Mavericks think he can do that? He got owned tonight. I think it's because what is, what is the option? What's the, what's the counter to that? What do you do if you don't do that? I mean, hedge and recover, maybe good Lord. Like it's not like they have these slow plotting dudes. 
They don't. They don't have, like, I mean, I guess Boban, but I mean, Porzingis is, is athletic. And watching Finney Smith just get worked by Zubas in the post, Zubak, whatever, however the heck you say his name, there was one possession that went to the very end of the shot clock where uh, whoever switched upon Paul George got him to pump and then pass. Like, I thought it was going to be like one of those really awful, like, pull up threes, you know, when you're waiting because the guy had picked up his dribble. And instead, Paul George stepped through and passed to to Zubak in the post, who had Finney Smith so badly sealed that it was just a, a touch layup. Like, he barely had the ball, which meant, and I, I need to go rewatch this possession, but if that's the case, that means that Zubak had him on his back for, like, five full seconds. And five seconds is a lifetime in the post, if you've ever played down there, guys. And that's not Finney Smith's fault, per se. He's not big enough. So why is why is the Mavericks asking him to do this? Yeah, I, I think it's just because if it not, they're worried about getting Luca, getting Kristaps, getting Tom Hardaway Jr. in bad positions in terms of having to make a defensive play. And I think it feels like they're like, we're gonna ask Finney Smith to make our defensive plays when they play this kind of lineup. And it's just not fair to him. And it's he not, gets, not at all. Not he I'm busts his ass. It. And yeah, it's just tough. They just, now that I'm talking about it, I'm less yeah. mad at him and more mad at the situation now that I'm really yeah. thinking about this. Cause this just like the dude is an undrafted small forward being asked to guard fives for significant portions yeah. of games. And what look at, are we doing? Look at the roster. Like, it's just like, you know, you don't want Chris Dobbs guarding perimeter guys, you know, Maxi can do it, but it's not, you know, he's so much more effective when he is, a weak side help defender at the rim. Like that is his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And just look like, you know, the guys, you know, we talked about the starters. None of those guys are perimeter defensive players. And then the bench, it's Kleba, who's, a, you know, you'd rather keep him close to the rim if you can. It's Jackson who gives you nothing on defense. It's Burke who gives you nothing on defense. And it's DeLon Wright who gives you nothing on defense. And it's like, they just don't, that's why they probably signed Michael Kidd Grillchrist because they were probably just looking at this like, Boy, oh boy, we just gotta have a wing to come off the bench and and try to help on our defensive end. And I think they were just kind of praying that his offense wouldn't be so catastrophically horrible that it would almost be like an even, you know, even switch there. But obviously that didn't work out. But like you just look at this roster and there it's just it's just mind-boggling the amount of responsibility that a player at Finney Smith's level and stature has to accept because there's almost I don't know what else they can do. Um, yeah. But yeah. do you mind if I get you? Can I get on a little soapbox real quick? Yeah. So the thing I tweeted this and the thing. So I think the thing that pissed that like legitimately made me mad, you know, I'm able to excuse a lot of this because it's the Clippers and, and this is kind of what's supposed to happen. And the Mavericks tried and they gave a good effort, yada, yada, yada. The thing that pissed me off is they're down 115. 105 with about three minutes left, like 315 left in the game. They get a score or something to make it that score. And the Clippers are walking the ball up the court. And the Clippers are walking the ball up the court, like very casually. You know, they don't have anywhere to go. They can run the clock down. And they're just running their offense. They're doing what they want to do. And the Mavericks are just back on their heels. And I'm like, you're down 10 with three minutes left. Like, this isn't. Like, get up on someone, like, <laughs> pick up someone full court, 
make someone do something they don't want to do like get up in their shorts if you if you're gonna get beat anyway at least get beat by like getting up on someone and trying to force the issue instead of being so reactive you're down 10 you're not going to win the game by having defensive possessions where you're letting the opposing team walk the ball up the court and just run their offense like it's a normal game like remember the Houston defense when the Mavericks got up seven and and there's like a minute left or whatever it was Houston was inside of every maverick shorts i hate sorry to use that like term but they were right glued attached to the hip of every single player for every single defensive possession all the way to the end of that game and surprise the mavericks offense looked crappy they collapsed they lost not saying that would have happened here because the mavericks don't have a robert covington and they don't have a pj tucker it's a lot you know granted it's a lot easier to do that when you have guys like that but man i it just it felt like such a give up like just like it just was so it was so conservative and so uh, it just felt like they were do like there was nothing they could have done they could have hit eight threes in that final minute and i would have still felt like they wouldn't have won because of the way that their defensive i don't know if it was effort or what they were being told to do but whatever it was i didn't i just did not like that and i know that they're not equipped to be that kind of aggressive defensive team but in that scenario, when you're down 10 with three minutes left, like the game is the game is almost gone. Like just do something. Do a trap, a blitz, a pick and roll. Pick up, pick up, pick up a full port, court press on the ball handler when he's dribbling the ball up the court. It just I don't know. It was very defeatist looking, and I just didn't like that. That's the thing. I mean, I, I think that was honestly the whole approach to the game, though. I if yeah. if any Mavericks, if any Mavericks like like person slash employee whatever happens to hear this and listen to the game they'll probably come cut our heads off but that they gave up they were not expecting to be close you know we've not seth curry didn't play for leg soreness guys leg soreness is not an injury that's a symptom so one of two things is happening they're resting seth curry or they're hiding an injury it's very simple like that's that that scares me with seth considering his history it should (laughs) <laughs> I am. I don't. If you're this far into it, guys, we love you. You're our loyal listeners. It should scare the hell out of you. Don't love <laughs> it. Don't love it because there's not a good reason for it. And if they're trying to hide stuff because they they either are accepting the Clippers, then I'm not. That I don't like that kind of gamesmanship. Just not my thing. It's not a thing I'm really really here for. The last, you know, the last silly thing, just because it's my brand. Um, I. I really need to know what in the world is happening like does justin jackson know he is capable of dunking (laughs) oh i knew you're gonna bring this up that was one of the worst misses i've ever seen from an from an nba player you it was a (laughs) his third or fourth quarter he got basically a free drive down the lane and he, well, I mean, God, they're Benny Smith set him up, and it was really good. Like you know, I, we talk about guys not being able to do things other than being spot up guys, and Finney Smith made a good read off the dribble to a cutting Jackson, and then that's what you got. And that it and it for anybody that didn't watch or doesn't remember, he threw up a nasty floater. I hear he has a great floater game. I've never seen it. Um, and he, he's a six foot nine, two hundred twenty pound power forward who who's has one dunk in a thousand minutes this year he is might be a skilled player in practice but from what i see 
he is not the Mavericks need a, a bulldog of sorts, and he's not it. And it's not his fault again. I, I've really been harsh on him this year. Sure, he's a great human, but he's not a particularly good basketball player, and it's really challenging to watch. Uh, it's it's just kind of the you know just kind of the nature of of the lineups and stuff that we we've been talking about here. Um, I would really like to see Reeves or Cleveland get his minutes like for good because every time he plays, you know, yeah, he has a plus five in thirteen minutes tonight. He apparently hit some shots. I don't remember him. I don't know. I'm just tired of watching him. I'm really tired of watching him. So, I thought you were going to bring up the Delon Wright not taking the layup on the fast break. Man, I could write six hundred words on that. You could. You should. You should. It was first quarter, second quarter, one of the two. DeLon Wright on a fast break, if anybody remembers. It was so early in the game. Sam, our our, our man Sam, takes this incredible screenshot. He, <laughs> yeah, it, It's almost like textbook from when you're in, in like middle school, high school, whatever, on a, on a three-on-two fast break drill where the point delivers the pass at the wing of the three-point line. He has to take one power dribble and lay it up, and instead DeLon Wright takes two dribbles, goes under the rim, and does something stupid, and they didn't score. And it's – you just can't blow. You can't blow those kind of opportunities. You need to be perfect. Clippers are that good. Yep. Yep. Well – There's nothing more I can say on that. Oh, I mean, you know, Luca's fun. Luca's weird. This is an interesting game. I just – I feel bad because like, I don't want it to be a negative season. I'm just so it's not, it's just when you come back after missing this much basketball and you blow two make you like you blow two winnable games and then you suffer a loss like this. It's just, it's like a compounding level of frustration more than anything. Yep. Yep. And this, you know, and it's the things we were worried about. So it's, it sucks to see like, how are the Mavericks role players going to shoot in the bubble? Like it's going to be weird and it's weird. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, oh, I would love I mean, the shooting, is, the shooting is weird, though. Like, yep. And it's not just the Mavs. It's a lot of teams are having weird or not shooting shooting right right now. So such that, they have that thing. for them. Man. Well, so we got a Saturday game. Can't remember who they play. I think it might be the Bucs. Um, sounds about right. And if it is the Bucs, yes, it is the Bucs. It'll be interesting to see who plays for Milwaukee. Mavericks beat them last time. luka in one of the more interesting regular season games. Uh, where the Bu- Mavs were up like 20 and then the Bucks stormed back and the Mavs won by like one. It was horrifying. I, it was like it was like watching like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because Giannis kept like destroying them on just driving down the floor and dunking. And it's like, well, why weren't they doing that all game? And it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, well, this has been fun. Therapeutic, yeah. whatever. Well, we will be back. I don't know. I might try to have somebody on tomorrow just to talk about uh, – basketball in general but if you guys don't hear from us we'll be back saturday night probably yes yeah yeah (laughs) all right thanks as always guys this has been kirk anderson and josh bow we'll see you out there Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.